Morning, church. It's great to, to uh, be back with you again this morning and have an opportunity to consider God's Word together. I want to read from Hebrews chapter 13, uh, verse 20 and 21, and ask for the Lord's help in our time considering His Word this morning. So Hebrews 13, 20 and 21. May the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do His will, working in us that which is pleasing in His sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank You for being the God of peace and sending Your one and only Son on the greatest mission trip uh, to um, bring about peace through the blood of the cross. Holy Spirit, we thank You for uh, revealing this peace that has been made possible through the death and resurrection of Christ Jesus, that by grace, through faith, we might experience and enjoy. And Lord, we know that it is You who is going to strengthen us by Your very Spirit to do Your will in this life. And as we consider what Your will is for our lives, for those of us who have experienced peace with God, now being made peacemakers, Lord, I pray that we would depend on You to do that work and to accomplish Your will. So help us, I pray. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I just wanted to ask, how was that salad and dessert last week? I don't, if you don't know what I'm talking about, you missed Graham's intro. He said that we're taking a break from the book of Romans, the meat of Romans, and going to enjoy some either salad or dessert. And I, I really enjoyed the salad and dessert. I felt like it was uh, more like meat uh, than, than just the salad or dessert. Uh, such faithful uh, challenge from God's Word, Pastor. I thank you for that. Um, if that was salad or dessert, and we're going to get back to the meat of Romans next week, then this week, Latvian team, we're going to get some potatoes, <laughs> all right? Because we ate lots and lots and lots of as my son described, soft yellow potatoes. Uh, and, and then what did we have when we got back home? More potatoes. <laughs> it was wonderful. I chose the sweet potato, not the regular potato, to have a little bit of something different. Um, I want to share a bit with you uh, about what uh, we aimed to share with the students uh, regarding the theme of camp, which was uh, peace. Uh, this, this past week. And I think sharing a little bit of, uh, uh, about specifically us being peacemakers really uh, picks up where Graham left off last week. His last of 15 challenges uh, at the end and using our words well was to declare God's goodness and glory to all. Uh, that our words ought to have a, a certain characteristic to them, and we ought to use our words well, but Graham 
ended and challenged us to um, use our words to declare God's goodness and glory to all. And that's what I want to pick up on. I want to kind of maybe dive into that point a little bit deeper and consider what what does that look like uh, in the theme and the idea of being a peacemaker. Uh, The theme of our camp in Latvia this year was peace, uh, the Latvian word mirs. And uh, we talked about both vertical peace with God um, and horizontal peace with ourselves, with others, and with the world. And how we can't um, ourselves be peacemakers with others unless we ourselves first have experienced peace with God. And we talked about, or I defined biblical peace as this, as the state of contentment in any circumstance here on this earth, knowing that we've been made at peace with God in eternity. The state of contentment in any circumstance knowing that we've been made at peace with God. Uh, We know what that's like. We may not live like it all the time, but we know what it's like to enjoy and experience that kind of peace because we've been made at peace with God as followers of Jesus Christ, having repented of our sins and trusted Christ alone to forgive us of our sins. And it's our hope that others would experience that same peace. But one of the things we talked about is that it's impossible for us as Christians to be peacemakers uh, in the world without having first experienced that. And so we wanted to challenge those students and for uh, anyone listening um, to realize what the first and really the, the steps towards experiencing that peace was. And we said that the first step in experiencing peace with God was admitting that you don't have it, confessing your sin, repenting of your sin to God. And then following that up with the second step towards experiencing peace with God was faith in Jesus Christ, belief. And Romans 10, 9 and 10 summarize that so well, that we are to confess our sins and to believe in Jesus Christ and to experience salvation. And so, having experienced that type of peace with God, we are then sent out by Christ Himself, who is the ultimate peacemaker, to be peacemakers ourselves. And and I was helped as a pastor, as a preacher, on the last night of my preaching and um, challenging these students to be peacemakers themselves when... um, Ingna, the leader of the Tulsi Christian School, uh, had scheduled NATO troops to be at our camp. Latvia is a a part of NATO, and so uh, NATO was looking for um, places, especially in the west, uh, as they border Russia on the east, to be spots for refugees if anything were to happen on the eastern border of Latvia. And Tulsi Christian School volunteered to be one of those refugee spots, one of those places that people could run to to find peace in the midst of turmoil. 
And uh, because they did that for NATO, NATO said, well, what can we do for you? And Ingenau was like, well, we, we have a camp going on. Maybe you could come to that camp. And they, they said, we'd love to. They came to camp. They did a presentation on who NATO is because what teenager really <laughs> knows what NATO is uh, and what they actually do. There were uh, soldiers from about maybe a dozen different countries, or, uh, NATO countries, all on this one battle group, and they shared testimonies of why they had joined and what they do, um, ultimately aiming to keep peace by deterring and defending um, Latvia and other, other NATO countries like that. Uh, then they proceeded to set up a military obstacle course and to run our people uh, through that, which was uh, wonderful. And then they ended up staying through dinner, sitting at the table with the kids and um, and then staying for our worship service that night. And so, you know, we went expecting to having, have the opportunity to preach and share the gospel with Latvians, not knowing that we would have uh, Canadians, uh, North Macedonians, um, uh, soldiers from Spain, soldiers from Ten other countries there uh, represented hearing the gospel um, there in that place. And so it was a sweet time, but that being the case, I, I, I chose to introduce the topic that night uh, with 2 Timothy 2.4. 2 Timothy 2.4 in that great chapter uh, as Paul challenges Timothy to entrust these things to faithful men who will be able to uh, teach others also. He gives the illustration of a soldier. In Second Timothy 2.4, Paul says to Timothy, no soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. And we had the great uh, picture right in front of us of these NATO troops aiming to serve uh, the wishes of their commanding officer, the one who enlisted them, not getting entangled in civilian pursuits. And, and to be able to jump from there to be able to say to those of us who were Christians there that night, we have an eternal commanding officer, one who's enlisted us in his army, and not only army, but family, who has commanded us to be peacemakers as we go out into the world. And yet, how often are we distracted with earthly, civilian pursuits that keep us from being the true peacemakers that God has called us and commanded us to be? It is a great opportunity for us to even consider that and con to confess our own distractions, to confess our own um, involvement and care for earthly horizontal things more than eternal vertical things of the Lord. And so I want us to consider that. And yet the, the mission that we have been given is quite different from those of the NATO troops. If the NATO troops' job was to keep peace by deterring and defending, ours is quite opposite because the world does not experience peace, especially peace with God. Our mission, on the other hand, is to make peace um, by sharing the good news of Jesus Christ, who alone has made peace possible by the blood of the cross, as we sang from Colossians chapter 1, verse 19 and 20. Uh, NATO troops were to keep peace. As Christians, our job is to make 
peace, knowing that it's not us who makes the peace, but it's Christ Jesus and the good news of Christ Jesus and His death and resurrection that bring people to a place where they experience peace with God by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. In fact, the Bible says, blessed are the peacemakers. Jesus, in uh, probably His most famous sermon recorded in the Gospels in Matthew chapter 5 through 7, the Sermon on the Mount, He opens His sermon with several what we call beatitudes, several blessings um, towards individuals. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And on and on and on, till towards the end, Jesus says this, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who have experienced peace with God through faith in Jesus Christ and who are now living uh, in an attempt to help others experience peace with God as they are sharing the good news of faith in Jesus, forgiveness of sins through Jesus, hope through Jesus. Blessed are those who give their life to helping others experience the peace that we ourselves have experienced, for they shall be called sons of God. Uh, a great passage, a great section of Scripture, as, especially as you look into that, that Scripture aiming to see what real blessing looks like from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, especially as we consider the theme of, of peace. And as we sang earlier, and as we noted in Colossians chapter 1, Jesus made that peace available through the blood of the cross, which makes Jesus uh, the ultimate peacemaker. In fact, it's the same word from Matthew chapter 5 and verse 9, where Jesus says, Blessed are the peacemakers. Colossians chapter 1.19 says that Jesus was a peacemaker by the blood of the cross. And so, not only do we get our, uh, our commands and our calling as uh, those who are enlisted in the Lord's army and in the Lord's family, but we have an example in Jesus Christ. He's not only told us to be peacemakers, He's shown us what it looks like to be a peacemaker. And so we have all we need, especially as He's given us His Spirit, the Spirit of peace, to equip us to do these very same things. And so I want to look at a, a couple examples, two examples this morning in God's Word. Uh, one bad example uh, of what it uh, looks like not to make peace, and one example of what it looks like to make peace. Uh, and yet, um, really there's several different ways we can make peace. As Christians, our ultimate goal is for those in the world around us to experience vertical peace with God. Um, but one of the ways we have the opportunity to share with them how they can experience vertical peace with God is by um, helping them to experience 
a, a moment even, even if, just, even if just five minutes of horizontal peace where we ask if we could pray for someone, as we see a physical need in someone's life and aim to meet that physical need by giving them money for a meal, by caring for them um, to be able to serve them in, in some fashion, by asking if we could pray for them. We aim to, uh, as Christians, to uh, make horizontal peace for a period of time so that we might have the opportunity to share the good news of peace with God so that they can experience an even greater uh, vertical peace with God that will last much longer than any moment of horizontal peace that we're able to bring in those moments. And so Christians, they drill water wells so that people can have clean water to drink, so that their lives can um, go a little bit longer and have more opportunities to hear the good news of the gospel. People Christians help in hospitals around the world so that people can experience um, healthy lives to give them the opportunity for just another chance to hear the good news of the gospel. And on and on you can go regarding food, regarding uh, orphan care, regarding uh, whatever it is. We do those things um, so that we have an opportunity to share the good news of the gospel. James gives us a bad example uh, of saying that we're attempting to be a peacemaker, but not really bringing any peace at all with individuals. James chapter 2 and verse 14. James chapter 2 verse, verse 14. Um, James, the brother of Jesus, who I, I might just note did not experience peace with God uh, as uh, Jesus was here on this earth because James denied that his brother was who he said he was, the Son of God. Yet after Jesus' death and resurrection, after Jesus made peace available through the blood of the cross, James came to experience peace with God and, and began to become a leader of the church in Jerusalem, helping others to experience peace with God, but also living at peace with one another. And James, <clears throat> James questions um, those who say they have faith in Jesus Christ and yet do not live as if anything has been done in their hearts and in their minds. In James chapter 2.14, James questions and says, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? James would uh, agree with Paul that we're not saved by our works. We're saved by grace through faith. But if we're truly saved by grace through faith, it will reveal itself in our works. And if there are no works that reveal true faith, then we might not have an authentic saving faith in Jesus Christ. And so James asks a good question. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith, but he does not have works? Can that faith save him? He puts forth a 
challenging parable in verse 15. Consider this. If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking daily food, and one of you, that is, one of you who says he has faith but has no deeds, if one of you says to them, go in peace, be warm and filled, without giving the things needed for the body, what good is that? He goes on to say, so also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Imagine uh, that situation in your own lives, for we have all been presented in situations like that with people who have needs, maybe for food, maybe for clothing, maybe for just a listening ear, maybe for an opportunity to stop and to pray for somebody, maybe to serve someone who's um, hurting, uh, whatever it may be, we're presented with opportunities like that. But is it enough for us to just say to a person, um, go in peace without actually doing anything to help them experience a moment of peace here on this earth that might then give us the opportunity to share the good news of peace with God with that individual. Uh, James makes the point um, that that person doesn't really have true saving faith, who just simply says, go in peace. And so from this bad example of one trying to speak peace, horizontal peace, into someone's life without actually doing it, doing anything from it, we can learn what it actually looks like to really make peace. And it's not simply with our words, though our words are a big part of it. It's, it's a set of actions that, um, that follow our words, a set of actions that may bring about our words. Uh, what if we say go in peace and we have taken the extra cloak off our own back, coat off our own back, to give it to that person who's cold in the wintertime, and to say, go in peace, and, and to ask them how you could pray for them, and to be able to share the good news of the gospel in that moment. Uh, then and only then do our words, go in peace, really mean something, for we've actually done something for them. And so that's one aspect. And we see that played out in Jesus' life time and time again as He um, made moments of horizontal peace for people so that they could experience an even greater vertical peace with God as He shared the good news of Him being the way, the truth, and the life, the living water, the light of the world, the bread of life, and on and on and on. Um, Jesus modeled this for us and called us and commanded us to this as well. But that's not enough. It's not enough. In fact, if we just give the coat, if we just give the money for the meal, if we just drill the water well, if we just do those things without speaking the, the good news of peace with God through faith in Jesus Christ, then we've missed what our ultimate 
command is from the Lord Jesus Christ. We, if we would have gone to Latvia uh, as a mission team and, and with your support and with your prayers and gone there and simply um, built relationships and talked and done obstacle courses and played games and watched a movie and uh, this, that, or the other, we would have missed uh, our greatest opportunity, our greatest calling to help those students. But no, we've, we went to do all of those things to create an opportunity, a moment, trust, um, to have a conversation and to be able to point them to look up to Jesus Christ. That's what all of our mission efforts ought to do. That's what all of our attempts to make horizontal peace uh, ought to include. It ought to include uh, an attempt to make a moment of horizontal peace so that we can have the opportunity to speak the good news of the gospel of peace to those individuals. As peacemakers, we must meet people's greatest need. And their greatest need is their spiritual need of peace with God through salvation in Jesus Christ. And as a spiritual peacemaker, we are commanded, both Old and New Testament, uh, we are taught that we are to be peacemakers. Uh, We're given an example in Isaiah chapter 52 verse 7 of what that looks like to be a spiritual peacemaker. And and to set up this verse, I I want you to imagine um, being in an army 2,700 years ago before having all of the benefits of technology that we have this very day. And imagine uh, your city in Jerusalem, Zion, if you will, sending out troops to go and fight a battle across the the mountainous region, and you watch your, your soldiers travel across the mountain range and disappear on the other side to fight that battle, you're now waiting um, to either see your, uh, the enemy soldiers marching over those mountains to come and to attack your city, uh, or you're looking for uh, a messenger from your army sending word back that you were victorious in battle and that you have another day of peace in your city. And that's the imagery that Isaiah is imagining as he describes uh, this situation. But it's not just a physical battle that Isaiah is describing here. He's describing a messenger returning from a spiritual battle in which God has sent His one and only Son, Jesus Christ, Jesus Messiah, whom we sang about earlier, to fight the battle uh, on behalf of mankind, for mankind couldn't fight their own battle with sin. And so Jesus Christ came to fight the battle for us. And, And when He won the battle through His death and His resurrection... Uh, when he won the battle over sin and death, he sent out his, uh, his army, if you will, his messengers, if you will, uh, back to the city, out into the world to publish the peace that had been made available through the blood of the cross. This is the 
idea, though it was written 700 years before Jesus left heaven and came to earth to take on flesh, uh, Isaiah is predicting this day when it comes. And so Isaiah writes in Isaiah 52.7, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of Him who brings good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, the city, your God reigns. He won. He's victorious over sin and death. How beautiful are the feet of that messenger coming over the the mountain range, bringing peace to the city of Zion. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news of forgiveness of sins towards those who are feeling guilty, conviction of sin upon their hearts. And to hear that they don't have to pay for their sins. That they, uh, like the testimony that Mark shared of that young girl, she doesn't have to do, and in fact cannot do enough good works to be able to experience peace with God. But peace has been made through Jesus Christ. Let me just ask you for a moment, do you remember Do you remember that moment you experienced peace with God? Whether you were a child and you felt real conviction of sin, or maybe you were an adult more recently and you knew what it was like to once and for all experience peace. I I think so often we forget uh, that feeling that joy that we experienced either as a child or as an adult. Uh, And so we get fearful in evangelism. We get fearful in our neighborhoods and in the workplace because we feel like we have to persuade someone to believe these things to be true, that we have to be convincing enough, and yet it is the Lord who convinces And the Lord who persuades. It is the Lord who prepares the soil uh, for the seed of the gospel to land upon. It is the Lord who does that work. And it's just us who have the opportunity to publish peace. To share the good news of the gospel. And when it lands on fertile soil, when it lands on that heart that is convicted over its sin, What good news it is to that person. What happiness and joy comes into that person's life. What peace they experience in that moment. Not because of anything that we've done, but because God had ordained a moment uh, in that person's life to give them eyes to see, ears to hear, a heart to believe those things to be true, And they experience peace in their heart. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who publish peace. This is the verse that Paul quotes in Romans chapter 10. And in verse 13 where he says, Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in Him of whom they have never heard? 
And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, and here he quotes Isaiah 52.7, How beautiful are the feet of those who preach good news. Paul would go on in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 15, in the midst of describing the spiritual armor that we as Christians are to put on when we are sent out into the world to preach and proclaim and publish the good news of uh, Jesus Christ. Uh, We're to put on the helmet of salvation. We're to put on the belt of truth. Uh, We're to hold the sword of the Spirit. We're to hold the shield of faith. But Paul would go on to say that we are to have the shoes of the gospel of peace in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 15. As shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. We are to have the shoes of the gospel of peace on to be ready at any time, at any moment, with anyone, anywhere that the Lord brings across our path to be able to share the good news of the gospel with them. And when the Lord ordains that special moment in the vertical heavenly realm that only He can ordain, um, that you share the good news of peace through faith in Jesus Christ with someone and that person convicted of their sin repents of their sin and believes in Jesus Christ in that moment they would say to you how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news how thankful they were for you to open your mouth in that moment not to just open your hands and to give them some money. Not to just open your hands and to drill a well. Not to just open your hands and take the coat off your back, but to go another step. To humble yourself in that moment and to publish peace. To tell that person where you, how you experience peace with God so that they too might experience peace with God. What a, what a special moment. This is, this is why those students were so thankful Uh, to all of our team for them coming. Not because they simply played games with them. Not simply because uh, we gave them American candy. Not simply because we did this, that, or the other with them. but But because we came to share the hope that we have found in Jesus Christ. That's what all of the thank yous were for. And that ought to be true of our relationships with those in this world as well. This is the command that Jesus has given us to make disciples of all nations. To, uh, for those of us who have been reconciled to God, who have experienced peace with God, He has also made us ministers of reconciliation so that others can experience peace with God as well. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18. James would go on in chapter 3, verse 18 to say that a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. We ought to go out as peacemakers. 
aiming to make horizontal peace with those that the Lord brings across our path so that we might have a moment, 30 seconds, three minutes, 30 minutes, three hours with someone to be able to, ex- to share with them how they too might experience peace with God. And as I said at the beginning of our time together from Hebrews chapter 13, verse 20, that it is the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant. It is this God of peace who will, church, listen, equip you with everything good that you may do His will. You have nothing to worry about. You have nothing um, short of everything that God has at His disposal to equip you to do exactly what He wants you to do. Not more than uh, that. Not different than that. But the Lord, the God of peace, who you have experienced peace with through Jesus Christ's death and resurrection and faith in Him, He has everything that you need to be a peacemaker in this world. Uh, To be able to um, create moments of horizontal peace so that you can share the good news of vertical peace with God, with others, so that they too might experience. This God of peace will equip you, church, with everything you need, everything good that you may do His will. And so I, wanna, I want you to consider for a second, is there someone in your life whom you don't have peace with in this moment? Someone, maybe because of a family situation, maybe because of turmoil on social media, maybe because of a problem at work or a, uh, an issue between neighbors, as we've probably all experienced one time or another. Uh, is there someone that you need to go back this afternoon uh, having experienced peace with God even though we've sinned against Him and yet He was willing to make peace with us by sending His one and only Son to die for us, is there something that you need to go and do to attempt? I'm not saying it's going to happen, but Romans tells us that we ought to attempt to make peace. Is there something that you can do so far as it depends upon you to attempt to make peace with someone whom you have not experienced peace with recently? For we are Uh, We've experienced peace with God and are sent out to be peacemakers. And so, is there someone in your life whom you need to reach out to, to call, to text, to go across the street or go across the, the aisle at work and to attempt to make peace with, to, um, ask for forgiveness, um, to extend forgiveness, uh, even though it hasn't been asked. Uh, that we might have the opportunity, have a moment to be able to share how that person can experience peace with God. 
Is there not only a, uh, a person whom you need to make peace with, earthly peace for the opportunity, but are there people in your life, people, as I said earlier, whom the Lord brings across your path, who have physical needs, um, whom are without daily clothes or the food that they need uh, each and every day. Maybe they're in your daily path on your way to work, on your way to school, uh, on your way to the grocery store, or, or maybe you're made aware of some of those needs that may not be right in front of you, but around the world. And you're able to, you've overlooked some of those uh, in the past when the Lord has stirred your heart to give to give towards the needs of, of others. Um, the Lord has equipped you with everything good to accomplish His will. We as uh, the American church and this church uh, it, itself specifically have been given so much. In what ways do we need to meet the physical needs of those around us to be able to create an opportunity for us or others to share the good news of peace with God. Or then think about someone who has yet to experience the peace that you have experienced with God through faith in Jesus Christ. Someone who maybe they even think they're a Christian and yet, like James pointed out, can their faith truly save them? Is their faith truly in the Lord Jesus Christ and in, in His death and resurrection? Or do they call themselves a Christian because they were born into a Christian home? Or they were, grew up attending church, and yet when you look at their life, it seems to you that that person has truly not experienced peace with God. Or maybe that, maybe a person, you know a person in your life who it's just openly not a Christian. And they too need to experience peace with God. Whom is the Lord brought into your life whom He is sending out this week to be a peacemaker with? And to not just buy their meal so that you can enjoy uh, some casual conversation but to buy their meal this week so that you can have a, a spiritual conversation, a, a, a heavenly conversation, an eternal conversation with them about faith in Jesus Christ. Who's that person in your life? They're likely not here this morning, and yet each and every week we are sent out to be the church in the world. We're sent out to be peacemakers in the world. I want you to consider some of those different realms and probably several other realms where the Lord would call you this week to be a peacemaker. And remember that the God of peace, who sent His one and only Son to die in your place and to rise from the dead to offer you a relationship and reconciliation with God, will equip you with everything good to do His will and to be a peacemaker in this world this week. Trust Him in that. Take a step of faith this week to be a peacemaker in a way that you have not been a peacemaker last week. In a way that you haven't been a peacemaker this year, 
maybe in a way that you haven't been a peacemaker your entire Christian life. And may God ordain a moment for you to speak the good news of the gospel in which that person repents and believes and puts their faith in Jesus Christ and looks to you and says to you, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Maybe you this, this morning, having heard me describing what it is to experience peace with God, have realized that you have never experienced that peace with God. Maybe you've attempted year after year, week after week, to make peace with God, like that girl who Mark described in Latvia, attempting to do enough right, attend church enough to make peace with God on your own behalf. But the Bible's very clear. None of us are able to make peace with God, which is why God sent His one and only Son to make peace possible between God and man. But it only comes by grace. It's a gift. And it's a gift that comes through faith in Jesus Christ and in His death and resurrection. Would you, this morning, take a step of faith, repenting of your sins, admitting that you don't have peace with God on your own, and trusting Jesus Christ who made peace through the blood of the cross for you, believing in Him to forgive you of your sins and experience peace with God by grace through faith in Him and spend the rest of your days in peace with God, aiming to be a peacemaker yourself. Uh, for this is what our, our Heavenly Father and our Heavenly Commanding Officer has called us to do. Let us not get entangled in civilian pursuits, for we have an eternity with our commanding officer to spend with him in the days in the life to come. Let's pray. Father, would you help us to remember again all that was done so that we might experience peace with you. To remember the promises that were made in the Old Testament. To remember the promises fulfilled in Jesus Christ in the New Testament. And to remember the promises experienced in our own life when we repented of our sins and believed in You. Lord, bring awareness to our hearts and minds that peace that we experienced for some of us long ago. And that that, even in and of itself, would be an encouragement for us to share the good news of the gospel, to publish peace with those who have yet to experience, that they too might experience peace with you. Lord Jesus, may your words of command and example in the Word of God be what spurs us on to be peacemakers this week as we are sent out to be the church in the world. Lord God of peace, equip us with everything we need 
Each of us individuals, each of us with different gifts, each of us with different opportunities, each of us with different relationships. As we're sent out into the world, equip each of us differently this week with all that we need, all the good that we need to do your will for that day, for this week. And Lord, may we give you all honor and all praise, knowing that it's you, the God of peace, who ordains those moments of peace. Lord, may we just be faithful in what you, the opportunities that you've given to us not expecting to do what others do, but to do what you've called us to do in our neighborhood, in our family, in our workplace, in our life. May we be faithful to publish peace where we're at as others in our church publish peace where they're at and to come together again next week to give testimony of how you made peace by the blood of the cross by extending grace to those who need it through faith in Jesus Christ. Lord, use us, we ask and pray. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Church, let's stand and let's praise him who brought us to peace with God through the blood of the cross.